Yeah, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the show. I've got our nice, our nice, I don't know, autumn cozy music going, a little bit of crackling fire. Sounds like some good background music to whatever kind of seasonal holiday gatherings you're going to start having any minute now for both Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And I'll tell you, it's all, I mean, it's just crazy how, especially with scheduling alone, you can watch an entire month get gobbled up in a matter of an an hour or so, especially since this Saturday we've got, uh, we've got this gig next Saturday, going to do that Spartan race and I don't know how I'm going to do that Spartan race. I'm feeling my whole body feels inflamed. Oh, the hell's going on with me, Matt? Matt's here. What's, how you doing, brother? Hello, Francis. How you feeling today? I'm all right. Yes, yes, yes. I heard. Uh, I heard you were using the leaf blower today. Yeah, blew a lot of, blew a lot of leaf. <laughs> the most blowing I've done in a long time. A lot of blowing going on today. Well, I have to imagine that this is uh, this is really starting to be the, the thick of leaf falling weather. Hey, are you? Are you ever going to learn uh, this year? Are you going to be learning how to do the leaf loader stuff, or is that for another? Is that for like a road crew? Are you on that crew at all? Yeah, I'm on, on the highway. Okay, so have you done the leaf loader yet? No, I didn't do that yet. I remember when Anthony was working with the uh, the town with Mike for that one season. That's what he was doing, and uh, he has wonderful stories about the labor. He couldn't stand the wet leaves. He said it was bad. Couldn't stand it. But here we are tonight. There's a lot going on, but we're going to try to keep it as light and chill as possible. I have some cool, I have some funny videos for the the second half of the show. In the first half, we've got comedian Mike Baldwin on with us, and uh, Mike has been a friend of mine for a, a while now. I found him during during COVID, during the lockdowns, because uh, you know just spending a little bit extra time on the internet, and it was nice to see people like him going out there and taking gigs wherever they can find them. And um, he's going to be chilling with us in the first half, and we're just going to kick through some some articles and and shoot the shit a little bit. And hopefully we'll take some calls for you guys, too. We do have some news. I want to thank my sponsors, quite frankly, .tv, the affiliates page. Right there at the top, you're going to see Blue Monster Prep. Go check it out. Pat and Gina are there around the clock to answer your emails and your calls to guide you through everything. Personal needs, there's a lot coming on. Now there are tons of warnings, not only about uh, cyber threats to banking systems and everything else like that, but they are rolling out, they are rolling out the, uh, the messengers, the messenger boys and girls. And some of them who just see the writing on the wall, they can read the tea leaves, and um, they just wanna warn everybody that there is multiple terror threats heading our way. Now, anybody uh, who has a good head on their shoulders would know that a nation that disregards its borders and invites millions of strangers in to just gallivant and do what they want um, to whomever they want, that eventually something terrible is going to happen. And then, of course, um, they won't take the responsibility for that either. But this is a good time to take account of what you have going on at home, to also make 
plans with friends and family where to meet if the shit hits the fan near you, to have communication plans, to have food and water plans, to have fallback locations, make sure that is well stocked. Uh, and at the very least, make sure that you have enough medical and food and water filtration, whether it be those life straws or whatever it is, to constitute a really great three to five day bug out bag. Go ahead and do that. Um, that's, the, that's the least you can do. And you can either do that for yourself or you can consider consider some things for holidays. Gift somebody you love in a, a complete bug out bag. It'd probably only take a couple hundred bucks. So, um, so there you go. BlueMonsterPrep.com. Think about the holidays. Think about the next year and keep your head on a swivel. All right. First one up is from CNBC, Matt, that Sam Bankman freed guy who helped launder money through a war zone, among other things. Uh, he's been found guilty on all seven crimes, so all seven uh, fraud counts. So he's going to be executed? Well, that's the real question because they said that he faces a maximum of 115 years in prison. So one way or another, if he gets anywhere near the maximum, we're talking about a life sentence. But the real thing is, because as of right now, I mean, I've I, I've been pretty wrong as far as how this was all going to be handled up until this point, because you know a lot of our friends out there have done really great digs into who this guy is is um, is related to and who is in his life and in his immediate surroundings and they're they're pretty influential people with one you know pretty deep resumes so well, then that means this is probably all fake and he's not behind bars that's or, what i was oh, yeah. hey especially when it comes to what's her name gillane maxwell i said to myself okay well they can sentence her all they want in that really that speedy trial that they gave her but is she really in prison mm. i i i wouldn't I wouldn't doubt a damn thing that, that people have been sentenced and then just whisked away to a second life somewhere. I well, Is that really out of the uh, the question? No. Seriously. And really, when you have the power... They already have that legally, right? The Witness Protection Program. When you have the power, when you own the entire system, tell me how out of out of the question that really is. It seems like it would actually be easy. But the other thing there, too, is that this guy is actually going to serve the time, and he's not going to be snuck out somewhere. Then uh, is he going to get the Epstein treatment? Because he's just not... It's not just all him. It's not just all him. So there's one thing. We'll see. But so far, he's been sentenced, at least in the public. Now we had this. This morning, there was a... The uh, Hezbollah chief, Nasrallah, Hassan Nasrallah, he went and he had a uh, speech this morning. And here's a little bit from Zero Hedge as to what was going on with that speech. Hezbollah chief said U.S. is directly responsible for Gaza atrocities and will soon pay a heavy price. He said that uh, the the speech went on for uh, just under one hour, one and a half hours, so about 90 minutes. And while full of threats and ultra-provocative heated words aimed at Israel and the United States, this was not a declaration of war speech, but he emphasized that Hezbollah's full entry into the war with Israel will be determined based on developing events in Gaza and whether Israel halts its attacks on Palestinian people. Shelling on the Israeli-Lebanese border was reportedly ongoing through and by the end of the speech in Beirut. 
Um, some highlights from Nasrallah's speech. All options are on the table. Said, uh, if Israel strikes Lebanon, it will be the most foolish act in all of Israel's existence. I'm telling you, they, they, they want Israel to be flattened. Um, on the prospect of a major regional war, to the Americans, I say focusing on uh, focusing your threats on Hezbollah and the regions are pointless. The, uh, he said the U.S. would not only attack. The U.S. said it would not only attack Lebanon, but it would attack Iran. Your fleets in the Mediterranean do not and will not cause us to fear. We are prepared for your fleet, whatever it takes. You Americans remember your defeats from Lebanon, early 80s, Iraq, Afghanistan, your humiliating retreat from Afghanistan. He praised the recent attacks by Iraqi Shah militias against U.S. bases in, uh, in the region. He's got a point there. We, have, uh, we are an, an embarrassment when it comes to our military gallivanting. And then our uh, subsequent pullbacks, and we are incoherent as far as what our role in the world is, because we shouldn't have a role in the world other than representing American interests, true American interests. Um, but this is getting worse and worse. Yeah, and now they know we let trainees into the military. Yeah. Uh, they this, know we're weak. So I got this, I you know... He challenged us to end. The, he challenged us now to end the war in Gaza on defenseless civilians. Otherwise, U.S. will pay a heavy price. He said, "If you wish to avoid regional war, you must end the assault on Gaza." He said, "The Palestine resistance is not acting on behalf of Iran." And Nasrallah once again did not declare war. And he also said several times, "If the U.S. attacks Lebanon, it will change history. The U.S. will regret it. It will be defeated." I mean, I don't like the dude. Who knows? It depends on, I mean, you got to think in the 80s, I don't think we're really there to win anything. But, I mean, if this guy's going to make threats like this. But, but again, well, you, you think about what they're, what they're trying to in, in, evoke from people like this to create more in the eyes and in the minds of Americans who are watching this and not really caring about too much of the backstory. They're seeing a man in a uh, turban-like hat mm -hmm. from far away who's acting and, uh, and, and, and talking very confidently against uh, American military interests. And so for people, for, for the average person, they'll say, oh, go ahead, come on, take it, to, you know, go ahead, make our day, you know, six shooters at our side kind of shit. Well, but, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, he said it'll change history. Like, yeah, and depending on, you know, who might be the president, if they attack America, there's a chance they might be wiped off the fucking map and another chance that, you know, they'll get a little slap on the wrist. Well, there's, there's also another chance that that uh, this, this rush toward world war would have never even started. Um, but 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 as far as that kind of rhetoric, this is very dangerous rhetoric. Now they, they now things may change. Yeah, it may change the world, and and it doesn't even matter who really deals the death blow to whom. The fact is that if the big guns start firing, then yeah, shit will happen here too. Yeah. Oh for yeah. Sure. Because there's definitely uh, sleeper cells, or not even sleeper cells. There's definitely. A bunch of military people that have definitely came into the country and are just here waiting. So, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's nuts. I mean, listen, listen. 
I, I don't know. This is this was all of this was questioned almost immediately by many Israeli citizens out there, who even said at the beginning such an invasion that we saw with the paragliders and all that stuff who landed at the sex party. Um, they uh, that that no invasion could actually have been possible to be unknown to Mossad, you know. So everything about this seems like Israel and their partners is baiting the Muslim world, no, for you know, first and foremost. But there's a lot of baiting going on right now, and um, and it's getting it's getting more serious. And you know, we were saying it's just so crazy because when we were talking about Ukraine for that year and a half, we said, okay, well, uh, this is there's this is there's I have not seen any more blatant a proxy war than this in our lives, and we've had an entire lifetime of pretty much nothing but proxy wars, save for Gulf War, where we were in there and we uh, we picked up the mantle, and then of course after after uh, September 11th, we were a little bit more openly out there, but. Proxy wars is our forte, at least it used to be, because Ukraine was a disaster, and it's the most transparent thing out there. But we kept saying, hey, how much farther are you going to push this with the saber rattling before somebody's going to slap somebody in the face? And then, of course, now we see how they bought the time. We kind of rolled off of Ukraine and into the Middle East, and now Ukraine has fallen to the wayside. Zelensky's been kind of marginalized. Everybody in the media, even Time Magazine, is starting to um, is starting to admit that uh, the Ukrainian loss, uh, the Ukrainian cause, is pretty much lost, and that is coming from Zelensky's closest advisors. Which, let's also just be honest with ourselves: if Zelensky's closest advisors are coming to the Time Magazine to give them quotes on how delusional Zelensky is about his prospects of winning the war, then his closest advisors are more likely CIA, because, I mean, just. You think about how it's all intertwined that that uh, Alexander Vindman guy was offered the defense ministry job three times in Ukraine. There's probably no way to tell where that organization, that operation ends and we begin. So it's just crazy how they bought themselves time by starting another wing of the war up in another part of the uh, another part of the world. Anyway. Here's something, one last thing we can do before we go to uh, break and introduce our guest. This is interesting. Now, this, all of this is coming from Visegrad 24. They aggregate and curate news, politics, and current affairs, and this is coming from Europe, uh, and this is all sourced from Politico and The Guardian. Take a listen to this. Germany's Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, has announced plans to deport on a grand scale. Okay, now say cautiously optimistic, what's this all about? What are they really gonna be able to do? CDU leader Friedrich Mertz has accused Berlin neighborhoods of not being adequately German and has demanded new immigrants to Germany declare their allegiance to Israel. Whoa, I, I holy shit. I don't know what's going, I just don't know what's going. Left-wing That's German- That's a mind fuck right there. It's, it's so weird. Left-wing German politician MP Sarah Wagenknecht Wagenknecht said, said, quote, there shouldn't be any neighborhoods where natives are in the minority, which, I I mean, you should have thought about that years ago before you started importing the third world 
uh, with seemingly no uh, no stopping. Joaquin Stamp of the Liberal Free Democratic Party has said that Germany must, quote, finally make progress on repatriation agreements with non-EU countries to facilitate the deportations. The government must act to, quote, avoid more and more people arriving, says Ricarda Lang, the Green Party member, uh, co-chair. She said German President Frank Walter uh, Steinmeier Steinmeier has warned that Germany is, quote, at a breaking point as 162,000 people applied for asylum in the country within the first half of the year. Even the widely respected former German president, Joachim Gauck, has, I'm probably butchering these names, but he's criticized the current government and called for more radical solutions to curb the number of asylum seekers. How are they going to do this without causing major uproars? It's, I mean, seriously, think about all the people who are going to be, the, Germany is going to be accused as somebody in the chat, as somebody in the- uh, Being racist? Somebody, one of the top comments says, good luck with that. Now Germany is going to be accused of ethnically cleansing again. And even though they're trying to cleanse out all of the, uh, the arrivals from the Middle East and North Africa, and for those who are staying, they're making them pledge allegiance to Israel? I don't know where the hell that comes in, but you can tell... Uh, Maybe they feel bad still. I don't know. Barbara Lerner was probably very, uh, very uh, uh, upset that there's just so many Muslims and... Jeez. Uh, my, 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 how the turntables have turned. My, my, how the turntables... Jeez, I wonder what would happen now if Germany tried invading Poland. I think Poland will win that one. <laughs> I don't know anymore. It's not like it used to be, Matt. It's just not how it used to be. Oh, I don't know. Well, what else is there? I'm going to just start the show off because Mike Baldwin's going to be showing up anytime, and I'd like to. Uh, I like to just uh, hang out, and I have some news articles that are off the beaten path. Couple things here. Couple things here. Listen to this. How bad? How a bad night's sleep could actually make you feel better. Scientists discovered. Oh yeah, I've because you definitely need to be a scientist to know that that's a bunch of fucking bullshit. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, ladies and gents, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Matt is in studio. Mike Baldwin will be on the sh- the uh, the show with us in just a moment or two. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Yeah. 
Oh. You know, Matt, we've got some great stuff to watch later on. I can't wait. You, I, you know what I have to start doing? I have to start collecting some of the reels and the, uh, the, the short videos that you deposit in our, in our group chat. I'd like to do a, a reel review. We'll call it reel to reel. Show might get banned for some of the ones I share. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I won't. Obviously, I won't bring them all on because <laughs> oh, man, they're therapeutic sometimes. They're funny. They are. But then do you ever get hit? You ever get hit with a really, a really depressing one? Yeah, actually, I did. I was going through some today, and it showed some lady crying while they were putting her fucking dog down. Wow. Man. That's awful. Yeah. And they put the whole damn thing up? Yeah, you see the dog, and the, the, the vet puts the needle up. She's like, no, I love you. And then he's just like, so wait, they wait, give she's, him another needle, and then you see him. She, she's, the, the, the dog is getting put down, and as the, they're inserting the needle, she's screaming for not to do it? No, she's like screaming, you know, about the dog's about to perish. That's terrible. That's terrible. Mike, Mike Baldwin is with us right now. Mike, have you ever had a pet put down? Mike, you hear me? Hold on, I'm looking at it right there. You hear me? Oh, he's connecting to the audio. That was delayed. He's got a nice full beard there. He does. Let's see if he hears... Oh, there he goes. You hear us now, Mike? I hear you. Oh, well, well I, I asked... <laughs> Mike Simple. Matt over here said something nice about you. He said you have a nice full beard. That's one thing that we're very happy about having you on for tonight. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Is this the show? Are we on? Yes, we are on the show. And the first question I was going to ask you is a happy one. I wanted to know if you have you were ever around uh, to have a dog or a pet get put down by a vet. Yes. Okay. That's not happy. No, it's not. No, I said it wasn't a happy thing. We just oh, happened. I thought you said it was. No. I was like, how is this did I? happy? Yeah, you did. Oh, I did? I was like, well, all right. Oh, no, no, no. I guess the only silver lining is maybe that they have been released from their pain. But no, yeah. I, I misspoke. We, um, we just happened to be talking about a harrowing thing as we called you up. So, but it's good. It's so great to have you on the show tonight. Thanks, and thanks for giving me memories of Ginger, my 16-year-old golden retriever. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you she know, was, by the time by the time the end came, it was it was time. You know, 16 years old. You know, we had a. I'll tell you what, we had a uh, 17-year-old Cocker Spaniel named Rosie, and she probably should have been put down when she was 15 and a half or 16, because by 17, it was just she was dragging her legs around, and, and it was just one day she stopped eating, and we knew that was time, but it was probably, it was probably time a lot sooner than that, you know, once they yeah. can't walk. That was... Yeah, it's sad, man. It's sad that they die, you know, way before we do. It'd be cool if we lived the exact same amount of time. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, that, then, then we maybe it'd be cool. Okay, that they can live as long as we do, not we live as long as they do. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I'd be like, this is my dog. He's fifty-six. <laughs> That'd be crazy, but I, it would still be nice if you love your dog. Well, yeah, because you think about that, because then you could be born. And your parents can get a, a puppy the, the day that you were born, and you could essentially grow up with this dog. You've been bonded since birth. That would be a really amazing thing to have that kind of parallel lifespan. You're right. 
Yep. Or like a, a now I'm thinking along the lines of magic and stuff where it's like when you're born, you have a dog assigned to you and it lives as long as you do. Mm. No, I like that. I like that. So listen, uh, Mike, you are from, where are you from, by the way? Are you in, in the Midwest? I'm in the Midwest. I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri. Now I live like three hours away in Wichita, Kansas. Okay, you know what I'm going to be doing? At some point at the end of the, maybe in the middle of this uh, this show, I've got an old book I haven't whipped out in a while. It's from 1949. It's called It's Against the Law by a man named Dick Hyman. And, Dick uh, Hyman? Yeah, Dick Hyman. Huh. He, he published wow. this in 1949, and this is a book that is, at least at the time, completely up to date with the most odd laws that are on the books in every state of the union. So I would like to look up where you're from to see. These laws may still be on the books because after a while when something weird is there, they just start ignoring it. They don't even repeal it anymore. So what what are we starting with, Missouri or Kansas? What do you think? What do you have more connection with? Missouri for sure. Okay, let me see here. There's Mississippi. I'm gonna. I'll put this up. Oh, here's Missouri. It's illegal to have a snow cone in your back pocket on I, a Sunday morning. I guess we'll just jump on this right <laughs> that now. That is not illegal. Where did you say you're from? Kansas City. Oh, Kansas City. Let's see. In Kansas City, minors are allowed to buy shotguns, but not cap pistols. I want sweet. I wonder if that's the. Uh, I wonder if that's still the case. Um, I doubt they wrote the law like that. I bet they just passed a law that said no more cap pistols for minors. And they're like, oh, but they can still have shotguns, huh? <laughs> yes. And it's like, that's not what we're talking about right now. Here, here is it here. Listen to this. The, here's two more from Kansas City that just popped up. Uh, Kansas City has a law prohibiting the erection of a spite fence between your property and that of your neighbor. What is a spite fence? Is that one with spikes on it? What's a spite mm, that, fence? Oh, like that's, a fence you build up to spite your neighbor. Yeah, that, but right. But there has to it has to be. Hold on, spite fence. What is a spite fence? New York, a spite fence is one that exceeds ten feet high and was built to block your enjoyment of light or air. That's in <laughs> New York. But okay. Oh, a man who built a forty-foot spite fence around his. This is somewhere in. Where the hell is this? Okay, so I guess we can get the idea. It's something that you erect just to be able to um, to separate yourself completely from your neighbor. Here's another one from Kansas City, and we'll go back to this later. A Kansas City ordinance says that it is against the law to drive a horse without holding the reins. I I wouldn't know. Have you ever? I don't. Know. Have you ever driven a horse? I've driven a horse once when I was 10 years old on the beach in Galveston, Texas, and all I remember about it was that. It stunk, and they. It was me and my sisters and my parents. So we had five horses, and they all just shit the whole time. (laughs) That's all we. That's all I remember. My ten-year-old mind is like, oh yeah, we can go watch the horses shit again if we want. (laughs) I've never been on a horse. I've only been. I've only done the pony rides at Playland. Yeah, and and they're shitting too. What's with these animals? All they do is shit all day. You know. Well, I mean, it's not like they. wake up and get their coffee and go sit on the toilet or anything they just go when their body needs to and i would imagine when a stranger hops on you you're like that kicks your nerves up a little bit yeah no it definitely kicks mine up when a stranger hops on me 
<laughs> Let's see. An illegal is illegal uh, to play games on Sunday. Any games on Sunday? Is it still that's that's still the case? I can't imagine it is. There's it's, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Royals and all that stuff. Those sound like games. No, yeah. like games, like you know, like you messing with someone. Don't be playing with anyone. Don't be playing games, man. Don't, don't be playing games. In uh, in popular in, in popular bluff. Uh, Missouri, it's against the law to throw a snowball or to feed your animals on the streets. So don't go to Poplar Bluff thinking you're going to have a snowball fight with anybody. You will be thrown in jail. I don't know. Oh, well, these are just some things I like dipping into to make a person welcome to the show, Mike. So let Thanks. me ask. Let me ask you something. Where in the in the the country have you worked as a? Uh, as a comedian, have you only been around that that Missouri, Kansas area, Midwest, or have you seen the coasts? Have you have you done the circuits in New York or L.A.? What what, what you what you been up to? I have done all of that stuff. I've been uh, I started in Kansas City doing open mics and that kind of stuff, and then slowly spread out to the bigger cities near Kansas City. You know, like Springfield and. Uh, Wichita and stuff like that and then just over time I started doing more and more stuff I the first far away thing I did was the San Francisco comedy competition and uh, I was probably like five years into comedy at that point and I ended up getting third in the whole thing and it was surprising and that just that like amount of clout or whatever got me work at a lot of other clubs and uh, I don't know, just working all over. I lived in L.A. for a couple of years and mostly just smoked weed and watched Netflix and didn't accomplish anything. And I lived in New York for a couple of years and basically did the same thing. Like, I when I moved to these comedy cities or whatever, like, I would do the open mic scene and all that stuff, but I would have to go on the road to these small town clubs to actually make money to pay my rent and stuff. I was know? just going to say, how do you subsist? Especially like in New York. So I, I would leave for three weeks and be on the road and make a few grand. And then I would come back to, to town and be like, well, I don't want to do some open mic. I just got done doing three weeks of shows. I want to rest, you know? And so, and then I'm like, why am I paying thousands of dollars to live here if i'm not even doing anything and and then i left my gosh now, now where were you where were you in 2020 when that all started up because i have to imagine I mean, that that's one of those things where if you are out on the road um if you're a comic if you are in a band i mean there's a lot of people who were disrupted by all the lockdowns and stuff so where were you already back home um for all that or were you in a big city and you had to leave no, I left New York in uh, like February of 2019. So I was living back in the Kansas City area in 2020. And then my mom was living with my grandma in Wichita. And my mom got sick, got diagnosed with cancer. And that was in March of 2020. And I was like, well, everything that I had on my schedule just canceled. So I guess mm. I'll come to Wichita and hang out with you guys for a while. And I came down here and stayed for a couple of weeks and and then it was kind of clear like nothing's gonna open up anytime soon and i don't have much else to do so i just got an apartment down here in wichita so i could be close to my mom and grandma and stuff and uh and then yeah she died in 21 and now it's uh me and my grandma and i live about five minutes away from her so i can rush over in an emergency or 
whatever and uh she's 92 and still going strong wow man well i'm very sorry to hear about your mother and it's just in you know but it, it was already a time where everybody was was getting called back to reprioritize things in very very simplistic primal ways and it was just get your house in order and and be there and 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 uh, of course at first the biggest thing the first thing that we had to all survive was the the information war that was spreading faster than any virus would and, and we just didn't know just what kind of a life we were all going to be living from that point on obviously we have a little bit more of a hindsight uh being 2020 thing right now 2020 literally but um yeah, I guess for for people like yourself, there was just a, a few added layers there, and it's good. It's good that you're a family man, though, because I'm sure that uh, everybody appreciates it. Your mom, your grandmother, and um, I have this over here. What I'm going to play is how I actually found you. I found you because during during the lockdowns. I think this is when well you reached out to me the first time, and I looked at your stuff, and I was surprised that you that that there were actually any clubs open that you were doing these gigs how many people were in the the room when you were doing these gigs at that time well in i don't remember the months exactly now but like when it first started everywhere said we're shutting everything down and then certain cities here and there started saying all right you can come in but everybody has to wear their mask you can only have half occupancy um, so the, the club, my home club in Kansas City, which is the comedy club of Kansas City, uh, they started doing, instead of selling individual tickets, they were just selling tables. Mm. So people could come in and sit with their group or whatever, but everybody was kind of spread out. So for, for guys like me who don't, I don't sell out shows or anything yet, you know, so uh, having a room with 50 people in it and having it look completely packed was awesome oh. i liked it well here here's a here's a minute minute and 15 second clip that i uh i i, I chose for tonight there's so many clips of yours I, I like but let's just throw this up here i like this one uh just as well as the rest all right what's up brave fucking idiots <laughs> why are you in public you're not supposed to be here <laughs> That's the kind of shit I like. That's good. Uh, and I, and I, you can also tell just knowing the the time in the country at the moment there, there's a lot of people that needed those laughs, man. Yeah, they really did. And uh, that's uh, that's nice. That really is nice. You know, I saw something else. You've got to tell this story. I've, hey. heard, I've heard this. But um, you, 
there's a story about you waiting tables, how you used to haze new waiters. You got to tell this story. <laughs> you got you to tell this story. So Matt, at least Matt can hear this. He's going to love this. Well, there's several parts to that story, but the I'll tell the good parts of it. Like we would just basically our uh, when we're dead during the day and nobody else is in there, we would still have to train the new guys, but they didn't know how to be waiters. So we would just train them wrong like make them do things that they didn't really have to do like hey go <laughs> empty the water out of the coffee machine but all the coffee machines are connected to like pipes in the wall so it's just <laughs> it's just infinite water and they're like how much is in here we're like i don't know man probably a, another bucket or so infinite, really infinite water <laughs> <laughs> but okay. our, our favorite thing, we would there was a McDonald's across the street. So we would walk up to a new guy and be like, McDonald's called and said that they ran out of French fries. And then we would make that guy get a bucket and fill it with potatoes and walk it <laughs> over to McDonald's. And that's all. No, we would just we would just wait a few minutes and they'd come back like they didn't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> they it would was say, like one of one of those funny things that you didn't get to witness being funny, but we would just sit at work like I bet it's funny over there. So they would come they would come back and and and, and uh, that's see that's guys, one of those things. They didn't play the uh, the goat game. What was that from waiting where they were showing the different uh, angles of the nuts and balls or the cock and balls or whatever? No, nobody's flashing each other in your restaurant, were they, Mike? No, we didn't have that uh, as far as I can remember. <laughs> I don't know. That was there was a lot of drinking and and illegal drugs going on during that part of my life also. <laughs> I would love I would love. That means he could have forgot if it happened. Could have forgot. Uh, I know. I forgot all the times I showed my nuts to people. Thank God. <laughs> Just completely lost track. <laughs> lost track of all the flashings. That must have been. See, I would have loved to have been there to watch some of the new guys come back from the uh, the McDonald's with the bucket of potatoes and ha and have them and have them say to you they didn't even know what I was talking about I would love to because it it almost at that point yeah you're right where in saying that it's one of those situations where you actually miss you miss the most funny part and you just have to imagine what was happening when you weren't around in the McDonald's as he's trying to offer the people the bucket of potatoes. But at the same time, it's almost like the prestige, that movie, the prestige where uh, when uh, Hugh Jackman is just under the, under the stage while his body double gets to go and, and, and do the, uh, do the, uh, the, the, the encore, the, and take the bows and all that stuff. It's just really, um, that's a sacrifice for a joke that I, I think is admirable. So I wanted you to tell Matt that I knew that he'd really enjoy it. Well, the end of that is one time we sent a girl over there with a bucket of potatoes and she came back with no bucket and no potatoes. And she's like, all right, what do I do now? What will happen? We're like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was just a new girl at McDonald's also. <laughs> So the new girl at McDonald's who who probably thinks that it's normal to have potato sharing with other restaurants took the potatoes. She's like, here's your bucket of potatoes. And the girl's like, all right, whatever. Thanks. I wonder yeah. I wonder what McDonald's did with those potatoes. Did she have to go back and grab them? Yeah, we made her go back and get them. We're like, quit fucking around. Come on. This is serious. I know. Every potato is logged. You guys would have been docs for that. 
No, after a while, it was kind of a like, and it wasn't really uh, McDonald's. It was a some Mexican restaurant or something. I just say McDonald's because that makes the story funnier. But it was uh, uh, like the managers were friends and stuff. They would send new people over to us. It started with me actually. Like I quit a job in dramatic fashion because they told me one morning that I had to go into the girls restroom and clean all the toilet seats with moist towelettes <laughs> and, I was, and I didn't think anything of it I was just like yeah alright I'm the new guy I'll go clean the toilet seats I guess and I came out and there's just every employee like standing in a semicircle outside of the bathroom going ha you did it with moist so were you taking are they the individually wrapped moist towelettes or like they were yes and i took my job seriously and i used a a different one on each toilet seat i didn't want to share whatever toilet seat diseases might be on there but yeah i just wadded them all up and threw them on the ground and i was like i quit you know 17 at the time uh you you know i i've i've heard that the toilet seat at least the the seat that you put down and you sit on is the cleanest part of the toilet that the actual toilet seat like the toilet rim obviously i don't even like like thinking about it it's just so disgusting but um but uh i heard the toilet that's, that's one of the first things i look at if i go to a girl's house and she lives alone i like to I mean, I, I don't like to, but it just happens. I'll lift the toilet seat and I will check out how the bottom of her toilet seat looks because she has no reason to lift it up other than to clean it. Oh, so, you're right. So if it's disgusting, I know that she's not. She either doesn't have men in her life that point this out to her or she's just a dirty human being. And either way, I'm just like, Mm-mm. you know, she needs to keep her house clean. That's really interesting, Mike, because, you know, the other, the, the other thing that I think is very telling about a person uh, that, you know, I don't I don't really advocate going and rummaging through things. But there are just certain things that you notice in normal human interactions with the person, especially when you you know them well enough that you're invited to their house for one reason or another, a holiday party, a date, whatever it is, you got to use the bathroom and you can make certain observations. I always observed back in the day the condition of the toothbrush. There is something about there's something about a toothbrush that is completely frayed to no end. That is a warning sign to me. Like a really, really aggressive brusher where the bristles just go in every direction and it looks like they, they ha- it has just been mangled and chewed. Um, I, there, there's something there's something that or, has to be said about or that. Just, or like dried uh, toothpaste on the side or in, even in the sink. That's like, the worst. I, I'm like, dude, it takes two seconds. I guess it's sort of along the same lines. It's like rinse your dishes, you know, like I when I spit toothpaste into the into the sink, I've got the water running. I use my hands to like cup it around and get all the sides and stuff. My friends will just uh, my old roommate would like turn the water off as he's brushing his teeth and then just spit into the dry sink and just walk away. And I was like, no, like we don't live together like this. You clean this. Otherwise, this dries. It's I don't know. I grew up with two sisters and my mom up my ass all the time. So I'm like, if anything, I'm a, I'm a clean human being. You know, I'm on the same pl- – uh, Matt, you know. I keep a I keep a office and house pretty tidy. We're, it just – it makes my mind feel better to know where things are. And then, of course, there's a little bit more of just wh- what your upbringing is. Like I was – my mother taught me how to do the laundry when I was five years old. I knew how to do it all. And um, 
I, I actually wanted to learn how to do the, the roll the socks in and all that. I thought I was great that you can take two floppy socks and roll them into a ball that actually had enough weight to throw. And I wanted to know how to do that. So, uh, you know, that uh, the interest came early. Are there any other things? Are there any other things that you have noticed about a person? Or any of the things that uh, have given you any kind of an indication of a uh, the person's inner character by the way that they they um, they set up their house or their bathroom or anything like that. Oh God, I don't know. You put me on the spot. I uh, I I can just tell when somebody's dirty. I don't know. Like I I joke on stage about it, but uh, like I wish that there was a polite way to ask on a date. Like, I don't want to do anything sexual with a girl unless she has showered more recently than she pooped. But you can't just well, ask a girl that. What was the last just, time? You just got to get lucky, you know, and be like, all right, I picked a good one this time. But I just wish that, that was you could be more direct and be like, when did you poop exactly? You know, uh, here, here's, here's, uh, here's what you have to do. You have to, if you know that you've been dating somebody for a long, for a while, or at least long enough where this might happen tonight, you just have to say, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go to a jacuzzi or something, something where, where everybody is just, everybody is in a pool and, you know, getting, uh, getting the jet, the, the jet bidet. They're sitting on a bidet, perhaps. That's just really what a jacuzzi is. It's like everybody is sitting on a joint bidet, you know? And uh, maybe that's what you do to, to kind of limit the, the chances of something going f running afoul. That would just be funny if there was a place where you could go and test bidets and just say, no, this is where we're going on our date. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be so fun. It's true. It's true. You go to Mattress Firm because, oh, you know, my mattress, is, my back is killing me. It's been 15 years. I need a new mattress. Let's go, let's go lay on some mattresses, honey. How do you test bidets? You have to go to a place to test the bidet. That has to happen. I don't know. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassed. Okay. Well, then let's move on to uh, let's move on to some stuff here. Um, I had. I want to a... say be before you move on. I want to say I told you this earlier, but I'm going to tell everybody else too. Like Matt, I'm a fan. I like I like listening when Matt's on. And uh, but I used to. I've listened for a few years now, and I've. I just listened for the first year or so. I just listened to the podcast. You know, I never got on and actually watched you guys. And you had another guy on, I think his name's Rob. Yeah. Every once in a while, the Kung Fu guy, you know? Yeah. And I didn't I didn't realize that those were two different guys for the longest time. So I was like, wait, the Kung Fu guy is going <sighs> to kill himself if Trump doesn't win? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I like took Kung Fu too, but not as long as Rob. Rob's no, a master. I'm no, not. No, no. Rob would not kill himself. Nah, no, <laughs> I am. If Trump doesn't win this November, it's just, all going to be over. It's just funny to think about Rob saying something like that. <laughs> <It> would, <laughs> that's just. <laughs> Oh, that is pretty funny. I was just like, what a change in attitude. Like, you would think he would have the. Discipline to not even think about these <laughs> you things. Discipline to not off himself. <laughs> you would think he would he would have his shit together enough to not. <laughs> That's funny. Oh man. Oh gosh. Oh, you see, these are the things you just don't know. There's probably a lot of a uh, lot of things like that. People's experiences. 
especially when you're when so you were listening on podcast for a while then uh, that's what i love about the podcast it really allows people's minds to just go and run wild and then all of a sudden when you lay eyes on people for the first time and actually watch them in action it, it it dashes a lot of the theater of the mind that you had built up the first time around. I had uh, somebody who had heard me on another podcast before get in touch with me uh, a couple of a couple of months into actually watching or listening to my own show. Quite frankly, and they they said to me after they actually tuned into me for the first time and watched the video. Frank, I got to say, I listened to you on this one show before, and I thought that you were a an older man in his mid to late 50s and and all this stuff and then he tuned in and he's seeing this show which is you know I mean we're we're all we're all flirting with 40 now so we're not spring chickens but still it's a little bit more of a youthful show and uh, so you know I just think about that I think about the the how some people have seen me in their heads before they actually even saw me and that's that's interesting yeah, I mean, I was the same way. I had a, I don't remember what it was now, but I know that the first time that I actually saw what you looked like, I was like, huh, well, that's not what I was picturing, but all right, that's what I'll picture <laughs> from now on. I've had several images in my head of certain callers and people in this audience who would call in and, and you know, we would just get to know their voices and their personalities so much, and I would have them in my heads. And then when I laid eyes on them for the first time, I would almost regret having seen them. Not because they were bad looking, or or anything like that. Or, but it was no, it just ruins the fantasy. I know. I I got comfortable with the other guy. I don't want to have to adjust this much, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> but uh, anyway, why you gotta inconvenience me and look like that, dude? Come on, <laughs> get out of here. All right, well, listen to this. I want you to know what you guys think about this. I have it up on the uh, the screen. I'm going to get out of here and just go full screen. Oh, by the way, I had to turn off my ad my ad block to get to the Daily Mail to get this video or, or this article for the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail, with your ad block off, is a nightmare. I have never seen anything so intrusive in my life as far as the ads and the space on the on the screen that they give you to read and what it, it's just it's a nightmare you never saw anything like this in the 90s um, here's the headline humans having sex with now extinct species 60,000 years ago could be why you suffer from mental health issues study claims a gene from uh, uh, Denisovans <coughs> makes people predisposed to mental health issues. The gene is passed down to humans about 60,000 years ago in Asia. So they're saying that uh, from interbreeding 60,000 years ago, we are now, um, we're, maybe that is where a lot of our depression and our anxiety and everything else came from. What do you think about that? I don't think that that is not bullshit. Um, it just sounds like somebody who has to have an article due by 6 p.m. And they're like, all right, no, I'll, I'll get you something. Like I have friends that write for smaller publications and they put out some of the most ridiculous, you know, like why pineapples are the secret to your sex life and stuff like that. It's like, I don't know. I'm sure that, yeah, if somebody hadn't boned a, a caveman 60,000 years ago, that we'd all be singing songs and happy today. But that one person ruined it all for everybody. <laughs> Can you imagine? I, I, 
can you imagine if we would, even despite all the propaganda and all of the threats of war and lockdown and death and uh, and the um, you know the kind of coercion to take certain medicines, uh, the social ostracizing from the media and everything else, that it, it, we would be completely immune to all of that if this one guy had not had sex with the chimpanzee. That's Is that like, what they're saying? A chimpanzee? I, I thought it was just like, uh, you know, Homo sapien to like Homo erectus or something or other. Let's see here. The different branches of the human family tree have interbred and swapped genes, a process known as introgression. On numerous occasions, Elena Bosch, IBE principal investigator and co-leader co of the study and her team identified an adaptive variant among current human populations in a region of our genome that bears remarkable similarity to the genome of an extinct ancestral population, the Denisovans. I never even heard of the Denisovans. Sounds like a family. Could be. Could be some, when, like, if they when they say stuff like principal investigator, all that says to me is like, oh, so not a doctor, huh? Right. Not a not a scientist. I'm the principal investigator of this outfit. Somebody from 4chan. That's what it was. We discovered that this mutation surely had implications of the transport of zinc within the cell. Researchers did look into Neanderthal heritage, but found the population was absent of the mutation. So um, it's really about zinc receptors and zinc transport. They say that zinc transport is also involved in nervous system excitability and plays a role in people's mental equilibrium and mental health. Well, that is why they don't want anybody taking quercetin and zinc these days, because not only is it going to help them kill viral replication inside of the body, but it's going to actually regulate their mood somehow. What do you think about that? It's all a conspiracy, dude. Well, here's a conspiracy. Here's a conspiracy for you. Here's a headline from the New York Post. Oral sex. Hey, uh, children, get, you have to go a little bit. We have to talk to your, your mom and dad for a second. Get out of here, kids. Come right back. Uncle Frank says you can come back in a couple minutes. All right, Matt. All right, Mike. You guys ready for this? What's the story? Okay. I'm very interested. I don't know. Oral sex is worse than smoking, as uh, everybody in the room except me is smoking right now. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Can I smoke in here? My bad. You're okay. You're okay. Oh. Oral sex is worse than smoking for throat cancer, doctor claims. A young doctor who hates men says oral sex is a greater risk factor than smoking in the development of throat cancer. Dr. Daria Manhating Savadovskaya, Sadovskaya made the declaration in a viral TikTok video Despite the American Cancer Society citing tobacco use as number one risk factor for the illness known as orophangeal uh, uh, cancer. Oh, this is what the uh, this is what Michael Douglas said yeah. he had from Catherine Zeta Jones. No, it wouldn't. You see, here's the thing. This is you what, get cancer from somebody's vagina. You, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. It's that's not that, what the scientist is saying. Well, <laughs> it has to have something to do with promiscuity then. It has to be about how many cultures, whether you're a man or a woman, how many, how much of the other person's stuff you are incubating in the back of your throat. It can't just be that Michael Douglas married Catherine Zeta-Jones and she and she gave him cancer. I think that's what happened. <laughs> she might be rancid. 
I don't. I don't know. I can't. It can't just be that. It has to be promiscuity. Have good pH just levels. Like, man, this there. thing is worse than ten thousand cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> he said that on. The, it's like, oh no, what have I done? The American Cancer Society does cite oral sex as one potential cause of throat cancer, given that the human papillomavirus. Commonly known as uh, commonly known as HPV can be transmitted during the act. HPV is the most common sexually transmitted infection, with an estimated 13 million new cases in the U.S. every year. So it is prevalent. It's so prevalent that, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, nearly all sexually active men and women get the virus at some point in their lives. But so I guess they're saying that this is uh, is. Is at play and it, well, well, HPV. That's that that brings the um, that carries with that, it the risk of cervical cancer. No, yeah, and that's like warts and stuff. That's HPV. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but that's that's gonna be my pickup line from now on. Like, hey, ladies, don't worry about your throat. Mine's not gonna reach back there. <laughs> 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 see, see. Well, soon everybody's gonna have to have. Um, <laughs> soon everybody's going to have to have papers. <laughs> To uh, you know, you have to sit down and sign contracts and all that other stuff, and and you'll be able to indemnify yourself and all that, and, and it'll it'll be good. That just reminds me of the of a Family Guy episode where they're like far off in the future, and Quagmire walks out of his house, and he's like, "Oh, I got AIDS. I better take my Tylenol cold flu and AIDS." <laughs> I just see like it. don't even worry about it. Everything's got a pill nowadays. Well, it does. It does. Have you ever have you seen the new AIDS commercials? Where they're like, "Go fuck whoever you want. It's fine now." <laughs> it's dude. It's literally that. We're talking about we're talking about the happiest, the happy go, the happiest go lucky people on earth having the most amazing time at a barbecue somewhere. It it, it just the implication from all because you know from these pharma pharma uh, commercials, you know that the main characters, whoever is there. They have some kind of a illness that they're dealing with that is uh, that is being you know mitigated uh, by by the pharma company, and all these AIDS commercials. It's just you know people having a wonderful time you know cooking up burgers and hot dogs and, in parks and 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 of course having no intention of of stopping anything <laughs> that they used to that they did to apparently get this virus and. Um, and that's it. it, it they're, they're talking on the level of it just disappearing with the use of a pill or now vaccinations. So we're already there. Tylenol, cold, flu, and AIDS. It's already there, man. Um, I don't know. It's, we're definitely living. I feel like in hindsight, we'll look back at the time that we're living in now and be like, yeah, that was all super crazy. Like, I feel like we're living through history right now, you know? In, uh, well, I think on at every turn, it's history. And I, but I hope that I'm on the right side of it. You know, like I do a, a podcast with a friend, a comedian friend of mine. We call it the Truthican, and uh, we just play videos and talk about how everything's bullshit and whatnot. But that's sort of the same idea of like every story that I hear, I'm like, well, what's the angle on this? Like they're not just telling us this because we deserve information. Like they're telling us this because it helps point us in a particular direction as far as like narrative goes you know so I, and stuff like that like oh take a pill you don't have to worry about AIDS anymore like anybody can have sex with anybody and it's like back in the 90s when they were talking about uh, gay marriage and stuff and they're like this is going to lead to people marrying their pets and stuff and 
and <clears throat> I don't think it really went that direction. But where it, it, the direction it is leading is that eventually they're going to be like, no, like you, little kids are fine. Like that's where all of this ends. It's like we can just have sex with anybody anytime, and uh, including your children. Yeah, and I, that's what I'm scared of. You know, I, I think a lot. You know, and and there there's not enough said about the uh, about gay and and lesbian Americans who are really disturbed by all this as well. There's not enough said about that. It uh, they they want. Wherever you're talking about narrative building, the biggest thing that they that everybody does is to try to speak on behalf of enormous populations of people as if they are a monolithic group that has no flexibility of thought or belief. And and uh, and that's just uh, that's just the, the, the mind games that are played. So then how do you I know how I do it. I kind of struggle through that every night that I do the show, but how do you how do you find yourself, your stances, as far as you say, just want to be on the right side of history with so much going on and with so much being, you know, leveraged against us right now? We've got economic issues that are obviously going to come to a head sooner than later. We've got geopolitical issues. There's war on uh, opening up on multiple fronts. Uh, we are we have so many multi-layered problems over here at home. Uh, how do you, uh, Mike, usually put out the feelers for what the the right side of history for you to be on is, uh, especially on every subject, where taking a stance on one subject can put you in direct contravention of another. Right. It's like during COVID, it's like, I don't really feel like wearing a mask. And people are like, oh, so you're racist, huh? And it's <laughs> like, no, like those aren't even the same thing. Yeah. Basically, I just look at who's posting what and I, I know that I have certain like Facebook friends and stuff that if they post a news story, I'm 99% sure that it's incorrect because they're just like, God, can you believe what they're trying to do now? And I'm like, I don't think they're trying to do that. I can't think of a good example, but basically just if I hear it on it's I try to not. They say, like, you know, don't judge the artist, judge the art or whatever. And I think the same thing about news. But I really do. Like, if a particular person tells me a fact, I just assume that it's not true if it's from a particular person. Well, I guess I guess it's a great a great point there. It's just in don't judge the artist, judge the art. But after a while, a pattern forms. And you start realizing, like, for example, um, why would I ever trust to take any form of medicine from a group of people who are constantly talking about reducing the population of the planet like why would you ever why would you ever buy anything why would you buy aspirin saline why would you buy saline from a group of people who have those types of conversations and uh and and, and pit themselves against free humanity at every turn that uh, that can be taken, and it's. Uh, I, I think that that is one of those things. Pattern recognition. What I always keep coming back to, uh, when somebody tells you, you know, what they're all about, just believe them. Open up a rolodex on everybody, and uh, don't join any groups too. Don't join any groups. It's good to to stay individualist. I'm a I'm a, a frankly or a Franciscan. Can I be in that group? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You got the beard. Franciscans have beards like that. My cousin has a beard like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just realized yeah. this. You guys are already and Matt. I guess that's one of the prerequisites, Matt. You just as long as you got a beard, you can be in it. 
I would say you you need a beard to be a Franciscan, you know, unless you're a a female, obviously, because yeah. we all no know beards. women can't grow no beards, beards. Ladies, no all beards right? and no penises, women. But but wait a second. What if there are some people out there who are? I know that there's a lot of people who want to uh, be counted among the Franciscans, Matt, and some of them may just not not want the beard, or maybe they have a kind of patchy beard and they don't like the way it grows in. You know, what about them? They, they, should they be shunned? No, they can still grow it, uh, you know, like, it doesn't have, have to be to, perfect. They, just, they can still come into the area. They can't go into the VIP area of the Franciscans. How about this? What? How about it when there is a, an official gathering of Franciscans, for those people who do not have beards, you will give them beards to to put on almost like yarmulkes all right i'll well, be down with that yeah. but i'm not i'm not buying fake beards they right. gotta be bring your own beard a, <laughs> we need a fake beard sponsor here on quite frankly <laughs> bring your own okay this is what we need this is another thing we need to on the quite frankly merch store we need to have the official quite frankly franciscan beard Matt, I mean, you, you're going to have to design this thing, and I, I'm going to have to figure out a way to to get them in stock. And and when people, we finally have a quite frankly meetup one day. Anybody who's a Franciscan should definitely take pictures with you, Matt, with that beard on. All right, all right, it's all that right. Sounds good. Thank you for Making being part of this. Plans. Yeah. Mike over here is a part of the production meeting. We actually got this done. Yeah. All right. Here's one more for you, Mike. Nice. Um. <clears throat> This is from the sun. How a bad night's sleep could actually make you feel better. Now, this, I don't know how this is real at all. Pulling an all-nighter can make you feel as hap- uh, can feel make you feel happy for days. A study shows. I was just we just went, Mike. I just went over to the uh, the Adirondack Mountains with Matt and a few friends and uh, my family. It's all the same. And we brought my daughter up there too. She loves it up there. And but the first night it was her first night not sleeping in anything that re, that resembled a a pack and play or a crib. We uh, we put her in a new kind of bedding. It was a little bit cold in the room. Like there was just a few things that were too new and too risky that we knew that just might be a rough night of sleep for us. Well, it was a rough night of sleep. She barely slept. We barely slept. Me and my wife did. And the next day was I was not happy. I was not happy at all. I felt like I had three flat tires, and uh, so I don't know what the hell they're talking about here. Missing out on one night's sleep rewires your brain to make you feel giddy, U.S. researchers say. While it increases how sexually aroused and aggressive people feel for a few hours, an antidepressant effect was seen for days. This was because of an increase of the feel-good hormone dopamine, they said. Professor... Yegvenina Gorfasovsky of Northwestern University said, we found that sleep loss induces a potent antidepressant effect that rewires the brain. This is an important reminder of how our casual activities, such as a sleepless night, can fundamentally alter the brain in as little as a few hours. What do you think? Have you ever felt refreshed or giddy after a, a lost night's sleep or anything like that? Well, the, the first thing that pops into my mind, I was doing a college gig in a town. This is one of the reasons why I stopped drinking, actually, was because of nights like this. But uh, the short version is I got arrested 
and uh, spent all night in jail and then had to spend the following day uh, having my sister wire me money and go get my car out of the impound and uh, dealing with all of that stuff. I didn't have any time to sleep. I didn't sleep overnight in jail. I was just pacing and stressed, you know. Uh, so and then I had shows the next night. And so I stayed up all night long, all day long, and then had to go and perform. And they were some of the best shows that I had done up to that point. And then I ended up staying up until like three in the morning after that. And I'm not really sure how, but uh, so I don't know. I mean, it, it and it, it also reminds me of being a kid, being in fifth or sixth grade and having sleepovers like Nintendo sleepovers with yeah. my friends. And we would stay up all night long and and get to the point that we were like giddily just laughing at nothing, you know, and uh, and so those were always fun. But I don't know. I wouldn't recommend it as like a like, oh, you want to feel better? Just stay up all night. But if it happens by accident and, you know, then you got to make it work. Well, every once in a while, I guess. Right. I you know, I, I had um, I had quite a few. See, the, the only thing there. I mean, the, the the proof is in the pudding for you. You had uh, an amazing show, and I know how what that is like. There's so many times, even with this with this show, that I'll come in here and I'll feel like, oh, this is gonna be bad. This is gonna be bad, and um, and then all of a sudden, I don't know. There's just a a divine wind that that sweeps through everything, and all of a sudden, you are at another level. And it, it works out great, almost like with David Wells. David Wells uh, threw his perfect game, hung over. He he had only a two. Did he? he had an hour and a half sleep. He was drinking all night long. He left the bars at like five in the morning, and he threw a perfect game. Yeah. Where, you know, still wow. hung over. Um, but it could just be coincidence too. Like that's what uh, do you know who Mitch Hedberg is? Yes. Like he, there's stories about him. Like he would you know do a certain amount of heroin or whatever and have really good shows and then the next night he would try to recreate it and do the same amount of heroin and the same amount of jack and cokes or whatever and like no it's the number of drinks and it's like no dude it's other things other than how much drugs you're doing you know what do you think uh, what do you think that is um by being on the other side of drinking how long how long has it's been out of your life and and uh, uh, and how long uh, and what do you think those other factors really are? Have you pinpointed it? Uh, well, as far as how long it's been, it was uh, May of 2015, so it's been like eight years. It'll be nine years in May. Good for um, you. But that's just alcohol. Like I still smoke weed and do whatever else. I had a couple of years with uh, without weed also, so it was just 100% sobriety. And I'm sure it's a coincidence that those were like the two or three most productive years of my whole life. But that's neither here nor there. Like, uh, 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 what was your other question? I, I don't remember. Say, I'm just trying to. If make you're, if you, jokes. you were talking about Mitch Hed Hedberg, uh, Hedberg, pretty much. Um, falling into that uh, that trap of matching how much drinks, how much drugs oh, we're going into every night to prepare for a show to try to recreate the kind of feeling that he had the night before. And you saying that that's really not the it factor in your experience now, since you have you know you're on the other side of at least drinking for eight years, and you're you're you know you're a veteran of the uh, of the circuit and all that. What do you think the it factor really is? What kind of what kind of conditions really um, foster a, a a wonderful environment to just flow like that with an audience? Um, well, I mean, it's that's kind of why comedy's exciting because it's 
it's sort of like chess, you know, like there's only certain things that you can do with a chessboard, but there's like a million different possible ways to do that thing, you know? Mm. So like, as far as going up on stage and saying things to an audience, like, I think that's why comedy is exciting because you can't perfect it. Like every night is different. All it takes is one guy, like even somebody sneezing or coughing, like during the right syllable can just ruin a joke, you know? Yeah. So it's all, it's all these little things. And I don't know. I just, I've always compared it to chess because it's like, even these chess masters every once in a while, they'll see somebody else make a move and be like, Oh my God. Like I didn't even see that coming, you know, like yeah. how, why, why would you do that? And that happens with comedy a lot too, where it's just, they say like, don't blame. It's never the audience's fault. Like it's always your fault. It's how you are dealing with it. You know, cause I've done shows where there's 10 comedians on and eight of them will go up and just do terribly. And then the ninth guy goes up and just gets them all going, you know, and you're watching the guy going, how is he, what is he doing that none of us were doing? And it's, it's a mystery, you know, that's why, that's why I love comedy because it's, it's a uh, challenging every time. Have, oh, do you have any uh, stories that you can tell wherein you were the ninth guy, where you saw something that the that you saw that everybody that was on stage before you was falling flat on, and you were actually able to diagnose exactly what that audience needed, and then and shifted your your presentation a little bit, your approach, and actually hit the right chord. You have it. You have any uh, stories like that? Not off the top of my head. No, all of my shows just kind of blur together. Other than the the important things, the competition things, and and like auditions and stuff like that. Like I I tried out for Last Comic Standing and stuff when they were big on TV, and just the. I don't know. Like I'm good at doing comedy in front of an audience that I don't care about and that doesn't really care about me. But when it's when it's like, all right, if I do good here, then I'm gonna have all my dreams come true. Like that's when my hands start shaking and stuff, and I can like feel my face turning red. And I'm like, why can't I just be normal at this audition? But I don't know. Like I've done a thousand different open mics and stuff where. It's, it, you know, the few people that go up before me don't do well. And then I go up and I do the Johnny Carson like, like that was rough, huh? That was a lot of words. Those guys just said, and, I don't know. I don't. Well, dude, I know. I, I understand what you I, I don't. I understand what you mean, especially on those different levels of oh, when opportunity is thrown your way. And there's certain things that. um that can really shake you off off balance, and I think those are the thing; those are the situations we got to put yourself in more and more, and uh, and eventually, and eventually you learn something. And I, I think, I think it's really wonderful. Um, I really think it's a really wonderful prospect to to really go and investigate a little bit more. It it because it, it's your craft, you know, and to investigate what the hell is going on on this in this set. With all the people before me, with this audience, it's a nut to crack at that point. How am I going to crack this nut? How am I going to figure out this audience and and, and exactly what's wrong with the people before me? Because their jokes aren't bad; they're just they're just not landing. I think it's uh, it's really great on a sociological and a psychological standpoint. You learn so much, like um, comedy. 
even just like personal training. I mean, it's all psychological. It really is. If you're if you ever spent any time being a personal trainer, you've spent most of your time being a psycho a psychiatrist for your clients because uh, everybody knows that you know going for a walk for 45 minutes a day or doing some jumping jacks and uh, holding a a plank is gonna is going to be better than doing nothing. People get the concept of what they need to be doing and what they're and how what they're doing right now is probably not serving them the best, but um there's other things in the way, other blocks. And I think comedy is, is very uniquely set up to in, to confront those things in um, a little bit more unseen ways, you know. So that's why I always find talking to comedians very, very refreshing and interesting. I appreciate you coming on with us tonight, Mike. Is there anything you want to... Um, you want to leave anybody with? I would love to have you back to hang out with me and Matt on a Friday night again soon. I would love to also. Um, I, as far as plugging things, I have shows this weekend at The Grove in, uh, in the Fayetteville, Arkansas area. I think it's actually in Lowell, Arkansas. Uh, I'm doing shows there on Friday and Saturday, and this is one of the first gigs that I have where it's like a door deal. Do you know what that means? No. Like, at, normally when I would do comedy, I'll get, like, a flat rate, so it doesn't matter how many people show up or whatever, and, and they just give me a certain amount of money. This time I get 70% of ticket sales. Wow. So, so if a bunch of people show up, then I'll be able to pay my bills this month, and if nobody shows up, then I'm absolutely screwed. So come check that out, Arkansas people or Southern Missouri people. Now, we got quite a few out there. I hope that some show up. You said Friday and Saturday. That means you have a gig tonight? Uh, oh, no, wait. What's today? Today's fr- I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go. <laughs> no, uh, it's one week from today, This uh, the 10th and the 11th. Okay. I'm in, I'm in Arkansas. I've got other stuff off in the future. The big thing that I'm excited about is I have an actual comedy special that's coming out. It'll just be on YouTube and stuff, but the company that's doing it is like a comedy special company they're called 800 pound gorilla and they've done a lot of other comedians specials and uh and yeah that's coming out on december 8th and it's called number one top selling best comedy special ever that, oh, i can't wait i can't wait to watch uh, and if you uh if you give us permission i'd love to also put it on the the network for a night too that would be great to watch it with everybody I I believe that we can absolutely make that happen. Oh, absolutely, and, and of course I'll I'll buy it and we'll rent it, whatever the hell. The and that that would be just wonderful. I'd love I'd love to do that, and I hope that a lot of people. I'm glad that you clarified the dates because I would hate for some of our listeners in the Arkansas and Southern Missouri area to go out for the, for the gig tonight and you're not there. <laughs> but um, that's gonna be great. I. I I have your link tree in the description of the episode. Everything that is pertinent to your work will be there. Uh, pretty much, yeah, and I will go and update it immediately since I haven't in a couple weeks. But yeah, pretty much all of my links to everything are on there. Or you can just go to mikeisfunny.com. That's all of my. That's my website. It's got all the links and all that. And uh, and yeah, I don't know, but I'm, I, I thank you very much for letting me come in here. I'm a fan. I've been a fan for a while, so it's exciting to. I've done podcasts and stuff before, and it's always just like talking to a stranger you know it's i i feel to you the way that a lot of my comedy fans probably feel towards me 
because it's like I know so much about you and your life and all this stuff and and you're just like, hey, what's up, new guy? And I'm like, no, like we're friends, dude. It, no, like, don't you understand? We were, were. I know, I know about. I know your daughter's name. Come on, <laughs> like we're close. Yeah, but anyway, I don't know. It was exciting. I'm, it is. I'm excited that we got to do it. So well, hopefully dude, we get to do it again. Thank you for your friendship, and absolutely, yeah, we will do it again. I appreciate this uh, a great deal, and I hope everybody goes and checks out your work. Uh, your link, tree, the link tree that is a links to. All of Mike Baldwin's work, including his official URL, is in the description of the episode. And uh, I look forward to having him back again in the future. Mike, have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving in the meantime. Thanks, guys. Later, Matt. Good night, man. All right. Take care. Be well. There goes Mike Baldwin. Yeah. Or, or before Thanksgiving. Who knows? Who knows? It's, it's good to have comedians on hand, especially for Friday nights. And uh, he hung pretty well. That was fun. Yeah, lost my voice. You can tell I lost my voice. Yeah, it started now. Nothing. It started before, but it's getting worse. What's the matter? I don't know. You feeling sick? No. If you feel sometimes it starts with the voice. Were you yelling at work today? No, I wasn't going to work. I was already sick before. When? Like last week. Oh, oh I, was, uh, I was sick last weekend. Actually, this Friday night. This this uh, this night last week is when I started feeling sick, and because uh, that's when Aurora uh, Aurora was sick pretty much on Wednesday and Thursday, and by Friday I was uh, starting to feel it. And Saturday, I really battled it on Saturday. Did your voice change? My voice it didn't really it didn't go down there. Sometimes at the end of the voice drops. That's how you know it's going to happen. I wish my voice would drop finally.
Hello, hello, hello. Is that better? What the hell just happened? Can I get a uh, sound check in the in the the gilded? Did that com- did that work out better? Hello, hello, checkity check. Did that level it out? Sounds all well. No, it should be back now. So I'll wait for the uh, for the delay to kick in. Let's see. I was hearing Matt that there was some terrible. Okay, it's good now. I all right. Well, here's the thing, everybody. Hmm. The next big investment that I'm going to make over here at the studio is uh, we're going we're going to update and we're going to digitize our sound production a little bit more. I want to at least amend what's going on behind me, but this is uh, this is the past. This is the past, and we've got to go into the future a little bit more. So I'm going to be making a. Uh, how long was the was everything bad? Like were we all screwy uh, for for the entirety of Mike Baldwin? Please don't tell me it was for the entire Mike Baldwin uh, um, episode or uh, segment. But you know, I, I'm going to be looking into a few things here. Obviously, sponsor the show because we have such um, such wonderful support out there. We we do have emergency funds that we can dip into for things like this. But what I'm thinking we have to do is going to cost a little bit of money, and I don't care about that because it just means it's going to it's going to buy us. A good a uh, a good couple of years. The last couple of minutes with Mike, the last five minutes with Mike. Nah, eh, all right. Well, it's only five minutes, but that sucks to have that happen. And all throughout the intermission. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a couple of things, Matt and I. And I'm gonna li- I'll leave the lines open. Nine one four two zero 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 two. So what, do we, what do we have here? Nine one four zero two zero 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 two six nine. I want to do a couple of these um, super chats, and then we're going to get into more. Where is it? With the videos. Sorry, I'm kind of thrown off when something like that happens. It's, uh, it takes me a little bit of time to get all of my ducks in a row over here and regain balance, but it's all good. We'll figure it out. It's not like the old days where everything was like terminal, but still hate when that happens. Stow Soup says Friday night fun house, baby. Thank you, Frank and Matt and Mike. It's great to have Mike Baldwin on. All right, and let's go over to Rumble. Rumble, here we have a couple of rants. Clean Jack says Frank, just dropping by. Gentlemen, we'll be listening tomorrow night, Friday nights with St. Matthew and Lord Francis are always notable enlightening beautiful engagement god is lord that's right clean jack god is lord it's true and i have to make a i have to make a uh, shirt i have to get make a shirt and somehow get you involved in that shirt i have to get you uh, on the shirt when we do that Re- revamping the um, the merch section soon all right. Also, we have Jay Semo says HIV can be explained by terrain theory. Great show. Matt is the best. What's terrain theory? What's terrain theory? It's the um, it's the opposition to germ theory about what um, how the body how the body's terrain, the immune system, 
um, is really the deciding factor as to whether or not, you know, uh, your health breaks down and it's not because of some kind of a um, alien germ factor. And I often, I, I we've had plenty of terrain theory episodes on this show before, and I'd love to do it again because I, I, I still am confused. And I, I've made several attempts at doctors that people in this audience have have suggested to me. I made several attempts each, and I've been kind of, I don't know, maybe, I'll just say lost in the shuffle. But I would love to revisit that because. I love entertaining the conversation, and I personally, I know personal belief doesn't really factor into the reality, but for me, right now, with what I have in my mind on the subject and what I've been exposed to, I kind of feel like it's a mixture of both, that they're both a factor. I mean, how can you, how can you completely just, just discard the idea that there are germs or some kind of a virus or a bug that isn't transmissible between person and person. I mean, what did Aurora give me? Was that just sympathy cold? Uh, I I don't get it. You know, Lauren didn't get sick. I'm happy for her, which she texted me before and she said, oh, by the way, the, uh, with, uh, with the sleep article, absolutely not. It does not make for a good day. Lauren loses some sleep from time to time. Sometimes she's up real early. But, um, you know, that's just one of those things that, that get me. I, I'm totally on board with the, the with terrain, and I can and I would not be surprised if that's if that is uh, is explaining a, a lot of what is wrong with society. So I think we we talk about the general decline in health all across the board here. But um, th- there's got to be said like explain to me. If it's just about terrain and only terrain, how is it that people who are around sick people will then become sick with what they have? Is that really just psychological? I mean, how, how is there not something that's transmissible? How is that not at least a little factor that can be worked in with the overall tapestry of health and sickness and recovery? That whole cycle. I don't know. Um, that's why I would love to have another couple of key interviews lined up soon. And we'll do that. Cave Toad just said shekels for the upgrade. And oh my gosh. Thank you so much for that, Cave Toad. I don't... Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. I don't know what to say. Cave Toad is always so generous. He's one of those uh, those people that are always will shock you from time to time and... Really was not necessary, but I promise it'll be put to good use. It's time to um, to shed some of the old equipment behind me and and get a little bit newer with it. Uh, over to quitefrankly.tv on the lovely foxhole and pilled.net interface that is nestled in a very cozy fashion right there as a centerpiece of the quite frankly headquarters on the internet. Quitefrankly.tv which I think starting sometime next week, not Monday, but starting sometime next week, the second half of the 7 o'clock show will be there and uh, and only there. I'm really excited about that. Um, it's been a, a long-time dream to be able to give an, be given an opportunity to really build on something that is really yours. Um, so Robert Sarns, 
Thank you. Paulie9363 says, I'm going to gallivant around town Saturday and chase some tail. Witchypoo22, thank you. Tempo420, thank you. Braves Piano 29 thank you so much. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen Braves Piano before, but it's great to have you there. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of people there we haven't seen in a while or ever before. Witchypoo sends a fleet. Let's get Frank to 10K in pills, says Witchypoo. Oh, man. Chai Possum, thank you. Witchypoo, again, happy Friday to all you Franklies. Tempo, Cave Toad, moist, moist towelettes. Such an underrated word. Lauren hates the word moist. Hates it. Witchy poos again. Cookie now that now everybody's throwing cookies at each other between Witchy and Paulie and Chai Possum. It's it's getting nuts in there. Really is porpoiseful. Thank you so much. Human papillomavirus, HPV, throat cancer. That's what Paulie says. Empress bitch to you says all's good. It happened when Mike left. Okay, I don't know why that happened. Maybe because that we 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 dropped the. The Zoom call, did that fry something for a little while? I had to completely unplug and plug back in the US-122 interface we have over here, which if we do what I'm thinking we have to do now with the upgrades, I will be able to eliminate the US-122. Um, and it's always good when you can eliminate a middleman in a long daisy chain of wires and things like that. Very good when you can do that. It usually, by rule, will improve the the output amethyst cat thank you happy friday she says all right now let's go let's go to a little something let's go to some reels here matt i think you're gonna like this one since it's friday night I'd like to have a little fun with this this i don't know if you've seen it this is a an iraqi he's an iraqi comedian somebody says and um and his thing is that he'll speak his native language, but with like an American accent, and it comes out sounding. In <laughs> so this is like I don't know what they what they speak in Iraq. I forget. But uh, take a listen to this. Here he is. One moment. We'll get that out of the way. And boom. Here we go. All right. Frank and where's Matt? Boom. I think they speak Arabic. Is it that or? I don't know what it is. Anyway, take a listen. Okay, okay. We just like you for the from this dude way here. The way to get from now is to Roman. You know what, South? Then have the race to get me. Then I purple wrong eyes to review them. And then have the wrath for me else to get me. Okay. Okay. So now you know. Listen to that. And I, I, at first, I didn't know what was going on. I thought he was speaking English. And then, of course, I was seeing in the in the chat. It's some of the the comments there said that this is what. Americans probably sound like to non-English speakers and and it's really interesting to have that kind of perspective to try to to try to hear yourself through the ears of a non-English speaker what do you sound like we sound fucked up if that's what we sound like that's fucking weird. I, but, but, it sounded like he was in uh, that uh, Twin Peaks house or whatever. Yeah, like the, the, the Black Lodge. Yeah. Everything's in reverse. Yeah. But uh, there has to be what the hell's going on there. Like think about that. Like let's say let's say that you only spoke German, or you only spoke uh, you know it Italian or something like that. You have no background with English, and but, all of a sudden you hear us talking. What do you? What is it? What does it sound like? 
You see, but when we talk other languages, we use the accent a little bit. So that's why that's right. I know, but they're uh, using our accent with a language that still to us sounds like gibberish. So I would have to imagine that that is what we sound like to non-English speakers, where they can identify what an American accent sounds like. Like we, we even though we don't understand German, we can definitely probably pick out Germanic accents. And then there's us, there's there's British accents, there's Australia, but you don't know what the hell, if, if you don't know the language, you don't know the language, you can still pick up the accent though. So you really have to try to look at yourself through the eyes of a foreigner or whoever we think is a foreigner. And I thought that this was a, um, this inspired a lot of self-reflection for me. <laughs> I'm going to listen to him over time. And, and apparently this is the guy's shtick. Where is he? Somebody over here says, if you guys don't know, this guy's name is Abo Skiba. And he's a really funny Iraqi influencer who speaks Arabic. Okay. Who speaks Arabic, but in an American accent. So the <laughs> fact that he's doing this as comedy, I, uh, I appreciate it even more. We just like to get for the pumpkins too, wait here. Where do you fall melt is too rumbers? Uh, and you know what, South? Then how can the race to get me? Then I prefer wrong rice to review them. And then how can the rest to get me? Okay. And I love that okay that he uses. That's the only thing he throws in there. Unless it's something in his life. And maybe it's Arabic for something. He kind of reminds me of Bobcat Goldwaith in Police Academy when he's talking like that. Dude, there was, I don't know, there was one night, speaking of comedians, I should have asked Mike. Baldwin, who his biggest uh, influences were. But there was one night, it was probably in 2005, 2006, I had just gotten, I had just gotten the, uh, the Sirius XM interface from my Blazer. So, me and the guys were driving around a little bit, and we put on the, the, the like, the, the Raw Comedy Channel or something like that. And the first time I heard, now, I, I had seen the uh, Police Academy films, and I knew Bobcat Goldthwait was in it, but I never heard any of his his stand-up comedy. This one night, we had heard him, his stand-up comedy, and it was, you know, it was decent. It was decent. But what made it absolutely breathtakingly hilarious to us was his frantic, frazzled voice, his delivery. He always sounds like, you know, he's like he's about to break down and have a nervous breakdown. And that evening, at least, it hit us so funny that we were cry. I had to pull over. We were crying in the car, but just because his voice alone was hilarious, and it made everything else, everything else, even funnier. I actually went out and I went on eBay or whatever the hell it was at the time. It wasn't Amazon, but I went out and I actually bought his comedy album. Uh, I, I think I've since thrown it out. Is he still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. He used to be married to uh, Nikki Cox. Really? Yeah. I don't remember. From Unhappily Ever After or whatever that show was. All right. Well, this one over here, this is, let me see. I did the Iraqi thing. All right. So this one's mind-blowing. This one is just mind-blowing. So take a listen to this. This is the deepest hole. That's what they think. The deepest man-made hole on Earth, and there are some disturbing claims about what was discovered during the drilling process. Over a span of 19 years, they reached a depth of seven and a half miles. This is where the rumors began to spread. The legend states that a microphone was lowered all the way down the hole, capturing this audio. 
Did you wash your ass today? <laughs> that one got me. That one got me. That's I loved it. One. That's uh so I really appreciate that one. I love sending those to friends. Really pulls you in. All right, here's another one for you. Now, this one is inspirational. For those of you out there that don't uh, necessarily like your job, uh, this one is one of those inspirational uh, videos that um, I like sending to people. Here you go. Want to be at work today? Just shit your pants. Shit your pants. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? You just shit yourself. (laughs) Shit your pants. And then go home. And have a good day off. Do you not want to be at work today? It might work. Shit your pants and just go and have a good day off. This guy's on the ocean somewhere. He's got a daiquiri at the end. Yeah, I'm sure life will just work out nicely at the end, but I love that one. That's another good one. So I for, for everybody out there who's struggling with a job they don't like, I hope that you consider... You consider the options that you actually do have. Now, this one is actually just really cool. This one is actually really, really cool. Um, Somebody took the end scene of Godfather 2, which is one of the best scenes in the whole movie, where Michael is sitting there. It's a flashback to when he's sitting with Fredo and Sonny and and, uh, Tom and they're waiting for their father to get home and he's about to tell everybody that he has enlisted in the marines and he's going to go he's going to go fight world war 2 and they're all completely you know sunny almost slugs him it's it just it's amazing cuz at this point at this point michael in in you know fast forward to the 50s he's already he's already lost pretty much all of his brothers he's pretty much lost most of his family and it's going back to this one point where he's left in the dining room where everybody goes to go uh, welcome Don Vito as he comes home. And he's just left there in the dining room smoking a cigarette by himself in deep thought. But what they have done now, whoever the hell did this, it's so great, is they added two other people at the, at the table. They got Michael Corleone at the end of two. They've got Rust, Rust from True Detective, Matthew McConaughey. And they also added Tommy Shelby. From uh, from Peaky Blinders yeah, at the I same like table. Shelby. I I love this. Look, just look at them. Have they all got patched into this scene together? And I watched this loop a couple of times. It is so brilliantly done, especially since you're talking about three different characters, three different characters who are constantly dealing with that kind of inner turmoil quietly. You know, powerful people who have a lot of responsibility, a lot of knowledge of things, and and uh, I, I loved watching these three sitting at the same table together. So that's just one thing I saw uh, that I think it was just really great on an artistic level. But here is one thing I think that you're going to love as well, Matt. Our buddy Ping Trip. Our buddy Ping Trip. He's back at it again. He's always working, and he just released a new video on his YouTube channel a couple of days ago. This uh, is called Jordan Peterson Can't Stop Crying, okay? It's about two minutes long, and I don't know where Jordan Peterson has made an appearance on whose show recently, but um, as you know, he, he's an emotional guy. He likes crying. He just lets it rip. Did he go through, like, that re-education thing he was supposed to do or something? I don't know. I don't know, but um, but Ping Trip, as 
as per usual, went and formed his own narrative out of the things that other people do. And at like and as per usual, I'm always waiting for the music to turn a little bit more aggressive, a little bit darker, and for the protagonist, the main the main person in the um in the video to get angry and to start getting aggressive themselves. All right, so here you go. This is the ladies from Ping Trip. Enjoy yourselves, and then we're going to take some calls. We'll be right back. How are you doing? How are you doing? Hmm? How are you doing? doing so good today. Why do you do what you do? To see what will happen. <laughs> I believe that. Um, I guess my question is, um, are you happy? My life is not everything I want it to be. It's almost unbearable. <laughs> That's awful in the most fundamental sense, but you need an antidote to suffering and it's not nothing. It's certainly not just happiness. It's better than happiness, but it's almost unbearable. Your problem. I don't like it. If you're not careful, I will turn on you. <laughs> I will turn homicidal um. and then look the hell out. There's lots of situations you can get yourself in where death would be far preferable to what you're going through. Maybe you won't end up in hell. What is your take on remote working? I hate it. You'll get an answer. And it won't be one you want. If if we were to make your Jordan Peterson the president of the, the world. Your questions suck. It's like it's time to find a new job. Thank you so much. There you go. There you go. You know what it is with Pink Trip, and I always tell him whenever we speak and we do some of the updates on uh, on his work. It's just his. His music selections are perfect. Like the the, the music selections of him, of him when he's really crying, and then of course when he's going to get murderous is, is I just love those transitions. They're so they're so they're so fantastic. They really are. All right, nine one four two zero 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 two six nine. We're gonna take one or two calls and then we're done for the night. I had other things that we might have been able to do. You know, I did bring that strange old. Man, I brought a strange old Scots customs and superstitions book I was telling you about. It is a strange old book, and the thing is, what this is, anytime I open it up now, it is, um, I mean, the, the, the binding is just snapping apart. So it's pretty much going to be like a folder. Thankfully, oh, well, oh no, I'm screwed because the the pages are not even numbered. So if any of these pages fall out and they go out of order, 
uh, it's going to be increasingly hard to read this, but it's such a interesting little book, and there is a lot here, especially with like funerary practices, horse racing in Scotland. I'm telling you, Jerry would really like this. Funeral services. Re- listen to this. The following orders were formally observed in many parts of Scotland at the funerals of all persons who aimed at respectability of station. In in bidding to the burial, no hour was mentioned, as ten in the morning was understood to be the time of assembling, and two or three in the afternoon as that of lifting, and the intervening time was occupied in treating with services. The various individuals as they arrived, these services would be um, interspersed with admonitions, lengthened prayers and graces, and then the mingled worship and entertainment terminated. The people proceeded to the churchyard after a scout stationed on the rising ground of the neighborhood gave intimation that no additional mourner had been seen approaching the place of meeting. The following was the regular succession of services. Okay, so the first service was bread and cheese with ale and porter. I fine Scott snuck. Especially at the funeral. So this is the first service, bread and cheese with ale and porter. The second service... Uh, glass of rum with burial bread. I got. I would. Jerry Coogan's gonna have to tell us what burial bread They're is. They're gonna get fucked up, lad. The third service is pipes filled with tobacco. <laughs> to pre- to prepare the pipes, to prepare the pipes was one of the duties of the women, uh, who sat at the take at the late wake. I so, like the Scots. Uh, here's the fourth service: glass of port wine with cake. The fifth service is a glass of sherry with cake. They like their cake. The sixth service is a glass of whiskey. With cake? No whisk, no cake there. Uh, the seventh service is a glass of wine not specified. I guess your choice. Dealer's choice. Uh, and the eighth service, thanks uh, thanks returned for the whole. So I guess they just thank everybody? Or I don't know what that Go means. Go back and say thank you for everything. After which the service was renewed as soon as another individual made his appearance. What does that mean? They have to do all that over again? Oh. So there's a lot in here. Horse racing in Scotland. James IV established horse racing as a royal sport, but the first notice of horse racing in Britain occurred in his reign. During the reign of Queen Mary, district horse races were uh, were began. And in 1552, an annual horse race was established at Haddington and Lamington. So um, they have all the customs therein. They invented horse racing. There's a lot. The harvest custom in Sky. Dedicating horses to the sun. I mean, there's everything in here. This is a really cool book, but it's falling apart. What do they do? Burn them? I I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to ask Jerry someday. I wonder how many services he's been to like that. How does anybody walk to the graveyard? When you've had that much sherry and that much wine and that much whiskey and that much cake, how do you walk? And then, of course, the smoke tobacco. That's, that's nice. With all that alcohol. With all that alcohol. Nice. So that's those are the things that really make me interested. All right. Let's go on over to um, Just Ahab. says, for the gear, nothing like upgrading. It's half the fun. Oh, thank you, Ahab. Thank you. I, I mean, obviously nothing. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Um, nothing too detrimental happened tonight. I, I saw a lot of freaking out in the chat room. Somebody said it sounded like we were AM radio, that there was crackling. I saw that there was unevenness in the audio signal over here. So, you know, there are things that could be done, but they're drastic. And I have to see how I can integrate them into some of the older aspects of what I have going on behind me, which I rather like, at least aesthetically. So it's going to be um, it's going to be odd. It's going to be an odd thing. I have to do some planning with Mike, and and um, I will put aside what has come in tonight into a separate pot for whenever that trigger is pulled because the the clock is ticking. Uh, every five years or so, there is usually a major technological upgrade for all the obvious reasons. We are moving completely into the digital age now. Single malt is aged in wine casks. Don't drink coffee after single malt. Don't drink coffee after single malt? Why is that? <clears throat> Some people are saying this in the... Um... Let me see here. Some people are saying this in the uh, the chat room. I wonder what they were saying before. When we were reading all that stuff, gonna see what comes in the email though. All right, you know what? I think that we now have a bottleneck with the phones, and uh, and with that, it's just it's time to go. Anyway, I want Matt to rest his voice, and we'll be back on Monday with uh, with Bob Moda. Bob Moda, we're gonna be doing a lot of true crime on Monday, Delphi murders, true crime, and uh, and you know it'll be a good night. It'll be a good night with you all. So don't be. Um, don't be that is the fifth right that is the sixth the fifth is sunday the sixth is monday i've got that right don't be strangers email the show quite frankly podcast at gmail or protonmail.com we've got the wrap-up we have got the wrap-up the weekend round roundup that is going on right now at quite frankly.tv as soon as we bounce off here so go and enjoy what we have going on with the uh, network for the whole weekend and then stay, stay in touch on the gilded especially stay in touch become a sponsor of the show if you uh if you find it within your means it'd be wonderful to have you on uh, because Sunday morning, so late morning on Sunday, we'll be having office hours again. That is an unlisted stream just for all of you monthly subscribers, wherein we all just talk about the day, the weekend, and I take calls from you now. You're sitting in office hours with Professor Frank. Actually, it's Cousin Frank, or ho however I've been deemed in your house. However I've been so deemed. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to Mike Baldwin. Matt, have a good weekend, brother. Too. All right. Take care. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, it's film at a live studio audience. And now, our wonderful super chatters. Starting with all of our fantastic friends on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Pilled.net and Foxhole. Thank you for the gold pills, my friend. You made a tremendous impact on the show tonight, as always. And I can't wait for more people to join your ranks there and realize how cozy of a place it really is. Thank you to our wonderful friends, Cave Toad, with the big one on the Rumble Rants, and to Jay Semo. Not to be outdone by the first one who dropped a wonderful gratuity on us that is clean jack you guys are great thank you just ahab thank you stostube and until monday i'll be thinking about y'all good night
best and the truest, alas, are the fewest. But be one of these if you can. In duty ne'er fail, you will find twill avail you and bring its reward when a man. Don't think life plain sailing, there's danger of failing, though bright the future seem to be. But bright honor and labor and truth to your neighbor will bear you safe over life's seas. Then up and be doing, right only pursuing, and take your fair part in the strife. Be honest and true, boys, whatever you do, boys. Let this be your motto through life. <laughs>